Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. And so today we are thankful and grateful for this amazing Sabbath that God has given to us. And I think that we've had some things happen this week that have reminded us that even though 2020 has been a rough year, God is still in control and God is still seated on the throne and and he intervenes in the affairs of mankind. And I think that we can find hope and refuge in that once again. And so we thank God um, for how he is moving in the earth and that he has not left us behind, but he is operating, he is still moving, and he is still directing the affairs of men. Today, we want to go ahead and jump right on into God's word, if you don't mind. And I want to just, perhaps just let you know on the front end, I'm not going to get all the way through this message today. I'm going to kind of drag it out over the course of this week and next week as we see how things are unfolding in our culture, and we're going to apply the word of God to that. But I want to invite you to go and meet with me in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to look together at verse number 1. Again, I want to just say on the, on the front end, I'm not going to get all the way into it. There's some things that are going to speak to us in the, the present from today's message, and then next week we're going to talk about it from a little bit more of a prophetic standpoint. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 1. So stay with us today. Come on back again next week. Is that all right? Let me hear you say amen. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. And I want to encourage you, even though I know many of us are excited about uh, the election of uh, President-elect uh, Biden, uh, I want to encourage you to go get somebody that's in front of a television watching news. Turn that off. Come on and get into the Word of God today. Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to look together at verse number 1. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. We're going to read a good portion down to, I think, verse 19 or 20 here. Daniel 2 verse 1. The Bible says, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you will be cut into pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. And they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. I don't know if y'all getting that at home. That's a big thing to ask. Like, I want you to don't just tell me the interpretation of my dream. Tell me what I dream. Like, that's, that's insane. That's a big ass. And notice what the Bible says in verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There, and this is important, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is difficult that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was very angry and furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions that they might kill him. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. 
And he answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? And Ariok made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And watch this. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they may seek mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then, get this, after they prayed, did y'all get this? After they prayed, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. But again, I want to read for emphasis what the Chaldean said. It is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there is no other that can tell it to the king except the God whose dwelling is not amongst flesh. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little bit under the subject, God and God alone. God and God alone. Let's pray together. Father, my prayer is that once again you would permit me to join my human weakness to your divine strength. Lord, I am praying that today's word would help us to be able to maneuver in today's challenging times. And so, Father, I'm praying that in the hearing of the word that faith would be multiplied exponentially, that spiritually we would be quickened and that we would be able to be made wiser in the things of salvation. So once again, Lord, would you please hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. Let God's people say together. Amen and amen. Again, today we are talking to you under the subject God and God alone. Now, this afternoon, I want to jump right into the meat of our text. You see, today's story is set against the backdrop of Babylonian captivity, where Babylon had laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and had taken many of the children of Israel back to their own country where they would work in service to Babylon. And at the head of this exile is King Nebuchadnezzar who has now taken over from his father Nabopolazar. Now if you've read the book of Daniel, one of the things that becomes clear is that God worked hard to try to save Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. In fact, when you read Daniel, we are able to see the conflict of King Nebuchadnezzar because at times he acknowledged and praised God in a very overt way and then we would see him fall back into his ways of idolatry and self-worship. And understand that Nebuchadnezzar is a spiritual man though he is polytheistic, meaning he worships this and that. And the problem with Nebuchadnezzar is that he has developed a composite theology that comprises of many different beliefs. And so in an attempt to save Nebuchadnezzar, God does something for him that he does for all of us. Sometimes in order to save us, the first thing that God has to do is he has to expose all of the imposters in your life. In fact, I need us to be clear that all of us have some imposters in our lives. We have people or things that give us sporadic joy, peace, guidance, and security. And the imposters have a way of entangling the heart so that we don't fully embrace God. In fact, when our hearts are entangled by imposters, we cannot see the truth, we won't hear the truth, and the only way God can loose us from the imposters is to expose the impotence of the imposters. And so what God does in order to save Nebuchadnezzar, he has to create a need that the imposters cannot feel. 
And at times you realize that God permits circumstances in this story. He produces a circumstance that he and he alone is able to address. And see what happens. God constructs an impossible scenario. In other words, he gives Nebuchadnezzar a dream that is so vivid and compelling that it wakes him up from his sleep. But when Nebuchadnezzar wakes up, God snatches the memory of the dream so that Nebuchadnezzar cannot recall the particulars. And understand that Nebuchadnezzar is just spiritual enough to realize that this dream was something providential. He realizes that I can't ignore the dream. I can't wash away the dream. I've got to track down this dream and its interpretation. And so what Nebuchadnezzar does is he calls for all of the imposters in his life and he gives them this impossible demand. He says, listen, fellas, I have had a dream that I cannot remember and I need y'all not just to give me the interpretation of the dream. I need y'all to articulate the thing that I dream that I can't remember. Now, you got to understand that to these wise men, this seems like an asinine request. In other words, these dudes like, man, you don't pay us enough to deal with all this kind of stuff. they like, if you tell us the dream, we can interpret it for you. But no one has ever been asked to tell somebody what they have dreamed about. And see, the reason that God would not let Nebuchadnezzar remember the dream is because if he told them the dream, they could give him a false interpretation of the dream. And so they ask him to change the terms, but he refuses. They ask for more time, and he still refuses. And Nebuchadnezzar incentivizes them in the most urgent way. He says, if you do what I ask, you'll get riches and wealth. But if you don't do it, the result is going to be death. And so a demand is created that only God and God alone is able to meet. Now, I need you to get, saints, the role that the astrologers play in Nebuchadnezzar's life. In other words, they are his compass. They are his security. They are his direction. When life gets hard and overwhelming, they are the ones that Nebuchadnezzar turns to. But God creates a circumstance that is designed to expose their impotence. In other words, he comes to a place where his earthly support has to confess that we can't support you in this one. His earthly security has to acknowledge that we ain't got your back here. His earthly compass has to say, we can't guide you through this one. In other words, those that he turns to say, we ain't got nothing for you. You've got to turn to only God because God and God alone can do this. And can I suggest, beloved, that the only way that God can loose you from the imposters of your life is by creating a circumstance that they cannot address. The truth is, for some of us, money has become an imposter. For others, your boo and your bae have become the imposter. For others, a weed and booze have become an imposter. For some, success and position have become an imposter. And the imposter is whatever you lean on more than you lean on God. And let me just say to the youth and young adults that are watching this message, I remember as a young person, there were certain songs that I didn't understand growing up. I didn't understand why people sing songs like God and God alone. As a young person, I didn't understand when they said, can't nobody do me like Jesus and can't nobody do me like the Lord. I, I didn't understand why Kurt Franklin said I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I didn't understand why they said on Christ. The solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But if you live long enough, young people understand that no matter how poor or privileged your life, you will be confronted by circumstances that only God and God alone are able to address. At some point, you will face a situation that shows the impotence of life's vices. At some point, you will have a problem that money cannot buy. You will have a need that medicine can't address. There will be some voices that alcohol can't drown. There will be some hurts that weed cannot numb. 
There'll be some loneliness that the best man or woman cannot feel. There'll be a lack that the best paying job cannot satisfy. There will be some mysteries that science cannot address. And when you run up against life and you turn to the imposters that clutter your soul, the imposters are going to let you know that we ain't got nothing for you. We can't do nothing for you. It'll be clear that there is no salvation in anything else but God. There are times when you need to be reminded that God and God alone is able to bring salvation. Can the church say amen? And see, let me just say real quick to somebody who is praying for a child, a grandchild, or a friend to be saved. One of the things you've got to be careful not to do is rescue them from every discomfort in life. Because sometimes it is their lack that points them to God as the source. And when you remove every discomfort or pain, you really unwittingly become an imposter that they lean on, that God is going to have to expose so that they realize that their salvation is Him. And see, this is the thing that you've got to learn about stubborn humanity. Do you realize that we are so messed up that we'll never choose God from a bunch of good options. Most of us will only choose God when we're down to our last option. And it is only when we are in a deficit that we realize that God and God alone is able to save. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Now, real quick, I want to move through this and I want to just call us to certain spiritual disciplines today. Now, see, there are two shames that I want to talk about. Now, 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 I need you to get, beloved, that I understand Nebuchadnezzar's frustration with this situation. In other words, he is in a place where he is a part of a providential movement of God, but he can't access it. He knows that God is speaking, but he can't retrieve it. He knows that there is something great at work, but he can't discern it or understand it. In other words, he knows that God is up to something, but there is a block. There is a cloud. There is an intrusion. So he knows that God is doing something. He just can't tell what it is. And, and I just need to know, is there anybody that's been in Nebuchadnezzar's space where you know God is up to something, you just can't discern it? You know God is moving, you just can't detect it. You know God wants to do something, you just don't know what it is. And the thing that I want to say, number one, is that there is no shame in not knowing. In other words, there are certain things that God does not reveal right away. There are certain things that he hides for a specific season. But the shame is not in not knowing. The shame is in not knowing where your help comes from. Oh, okay, let me say it this way. See, see, the shame is not that you don't know. The shame is when you're confused about where your help comes from. Now, now there's somebody who's listening to this and saying, well, Nebuchadnezzar is a heathen. Why would he know where his help comes from? Go with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 19. Daniel chapter 1. Verse number 19. Now those that have read the story before know that there was a situation where Daniel and his companions refused to eat the king's meat. And God showed up in miraculous ways and revealed himself to the king. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 18, if you don't mind, verse 18. The Bible says, at the end of the days, the ten days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and amongst them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served the king. And in what matters, all matters, of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in his realm. Did y'all catch that, saints? The word says that they were found ten times better. And see, what you just read, it, 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 it just articulates why God has to continue to expose the imposters. In other words, God had already shown Nebuchadnezzar 
through Daniel and his friends that his wisdom was superior to the wisdom of the astrologers and the Chaldeans. But the problem with Nebuchadnezzar is that when he is confronted by frustration, by default, he does not go with what is better. He begins to consult what is familiar. Oh, let, let me say it again. See, see, one of the problems with human nature is that even though we know God is better, when we are confronted by frustration, like a reflex, we settle back with what is familiar. And let me just say to somebody watching at home that if you're going to ever have abundant life, You've got to come to a place where you choose God's better over your personal familiar. See, I need somebody to understand that the man God chooses for you is going to be 10 times better than the man that you're familiar with. I need you to know the job that God chooses is going to be 10 times better than the job you're familiar with. That sobriety in Christ is going to be 10 times better than the vices you're familiar with. The friends God chooses will be 10 times better than the ones you're familiar with. And see, my fear for us in our time is that there are some of us that will forfeit favor in place of our personal familiar. And see, the shame, beloved, is not that the king couldn't remember the dream. The shame is that he didn't realize where his help came from. The, the shame is, is that even as God's people, we have seen God show up. Am I, am I preaching to anybody today? We have seen God open up doors that no man can shut. We have seen God, am I telling the truth, he's made a way when there was no way. We have seen God come through on time, and yet we are still putting trust in the familiar, and we have to be reminded to put trust in God's better. Like there are times where I'm literally ashamed that I have to be reminded that my help comes from God. Now I want to say something, beloved, because you would think that if somebody's had better, it would be impossible to go, for, to go back to familiar. But I've learned something, that if you only sample better, then you will go back to familiar. But it's not till better becomes a part of your diet that the familiar gets nullified. Oh God, uh, uh, let, let, let me say it this way. Uh, I remember some of y'all are kind of like me. You didn't, you didn't really grow up uh, on the east side. Uh, you, you had to move on up a little bit. Uh, and so, like, growing up through high school and college, my point of reference for Mexican food, do I have a witness, was Taco Bell. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all bougie in here with me today. In other words, there was nothing better than a seven-layer burrito, man, a nacho bell grande. That was some good Mexican eating at one season in my life. Now, now, I need you to know that traveling here and there, every now and then, I would eat something like Abuelos or Rosie's or good Tex-Mex down in Dallas. But because I only sampled it, I would always go back to what was familiar at Taco Bell. But, but I need you to know, sometime in the last 10 years or so, I've just been going to Rosie's and Phil Sandoval's and, and authentic uh, Mexican restaurants, Cantino, Laredo. And recently, Steve, my family and I were on a, on a road trip and, and we were running out of options. There were no exits where there was food. And guess what? The only thing that was available was Taco Bell. Now, I need you to know for the last 10 years, authentic Mexican has been all that I was eating. Now, I'm familiar with Taco Bell. But it's crazy how when we ordered the food and I saw that cheese that comes out of a can and I saw them beans that's been in there for 12 hours and I saw that sour cream with clumps in it because I've been changing my diet. I couldn't stomach it no more. Even though I'm familiar, I know how it tastes. I've gotten so used to better. Oh God, I can't stomach it, can't digest it, can't take it. Because when you get used to what's better, you can't settle even if it is familiar. Are you hearing the word today, saints? And let me just say this, because see, there's nothing wrong with not knowing the issue is when you don't know where your help comes from. But watch this, the only thing worse than not knowing where your help comes from is knowing where the help is, but not being able to access it. So notice what the wise men, 
and the astrologers say. They're like, man, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, no request has ever been made of any seer, astrologer, wise man. In other words, like the only one who is able to do this is the God whose dwelling is not with flesh. In other words, did you notice this? They're saying, we, we, we know somebody who can do it. There is a God who is able to do it. In other words, there, there is a God that can give what you're asking, but what they're admitting is, I know where the help is, but I just don't believe we've got access to it. In other words, they're, they're, they're making an admission that there, there is this either a belief that there is a God who is able, but he doesn't interact with man, or they believe that he interacts, but we just have, don't have the faculties to connect with him. And see, let me just say this, because see, there are some of us that are, are driven by some faulty beliefs about God. See, there are some of us that really don't believe, like we believe it because it's in the Bible, but we don't really believe that the God of heaven can be accessed by mere mortal beings. And then there are some of us that believe that man can have access, but the problem is we don't have the spiritual faculties to be able to make meaningful contact with him. But see, one of the things I want somebody to receive, and if you don't get nothing else from this word, I need you to know that as a son or daughter of God, you've got access to the Savior. Can we go to the scriptures? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4 and 16. Can we get in the word for just a moment? Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Put your finger in Psalm 46. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. Do you realize that God, uh, when you went before an earthly king, you would have to go before a king with shamefacedness and anxiety. But God says, I don't want you to come up in here anxious. You ain't got to come up in here scared. I want you to come boldly before my throne. You've got access because you've been invited to come. Psalm 46.1 says that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. In the time of trouble. See, the thing I need somebody to get is that when you call on God, it ain't a long distance call. I, I need you to know that he is already nearby and he is stationed to give aid. Psalm 59, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 59 and verse number one. Turn there with me. Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. And his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Oh, are y'all seeing this today, saints? In other words, I need y'all to kind of understand what is happening. Because, see, there is some of us who believe under the faulty idea that, that somehow their sins have caused them to lose access to the Almighty God. But, see, I need you to know the devil is a lie. See, some of us believe we've been denied access because we got a pass. We believe we don't have access because we mess up. We believe we don't have access because we are sinner, sinful beings. But how many of us understand that the primary metaphor that God uses to describe his relationship between he and us is that he is father and we are his children. Now, do you realize that a child's access is not earned? A child's access is inherited. In other words, a child doesn't have to be good to call on daddy. He ain't got to have perfect behavior to call on daddy. Even when he messes up, daddy is still available because access is not earned. My access is inherited. Are y'all hearing this, saints? And then the other thing that got me excited, Doc Hill, is not only is access inherited, our access is prioritized. So, so that even, like as a pastor, I need you to get that, that some folk, like if you want to get sit down with me, you have to call and make an appointment. You're going to have to call ahead. But I need you to know that my sons and my daughter, they don't make appointments. In other words, they get access whenever they show up. I can be in my office with a president, a CEO, the NAD president, but when my daughter knocks on the door, 
I got to stop what I'm doing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Listen, they, they in the spirit when they text me now. And I can be on whatever Zoom meeting. But when Brooke texts, I, I got to stop what I'm doing and send back a message so she knows that she got my attention. And is there anybody that knows that when you call on God, your access is prioritized. He stops whatever he's doing because there's nobody more important to God than you are. Can your church say amen? See, I need you to understand there's a certain way I respond to those who call me pastor. But there's another way I respond to those who call me daddy. Oh, y'all didn't get it. It's one way you respond to those who call you doctor. There's another way you respond to those who call you daddy. There's one way you respond to those that call you professor. But then there's another way you respond to those that call you parent. There's one way you respond to those that call you musician. But there's another way you respond to those that call you mommy. There's one way you respond to those that call you minister. But then there's another way you respond to those that call you mommy because your children have prioritized access. So watch this. So these wise men, and I'm praying we get this. It's going to get a little un uncomfortable right in here. Don't change the channel. Stay with me. Amen. So the wise men say, we believe there is a God, but we're not sure if we can have access. Now, again, we're not clear on what drives the belief, whether they just believe that God does not interact with man, or maybe they believe, and I believe it's this, that God interacts with man because they know Daniel and the three Hebrew men. They just realize and admit he, he can be accessed. We just don't have the faculties to do so. In other words, they're saying like, listen, if, if, if you want some interaction in darkness, we got you. But, but interaction in light, we're not compatible for that. In other words, if you want to get messy and you want to get low, we, listen, we, we got you. But when there is a need for a word from God, we don't, we're not set up for that. And see, this is where some of us are. Because some of us believe that God can be accessed. But what most of us, we won't say it out loud, have to admit is right now we don't have the spiritual faculties to access him. In other words, see, just like these, these, these wise men, they're like, man, there's a God who is able, but like we're at a place where we don't even know where to begin. And see, there are some of us that in these stressful and trying and prophecy-fulfilling days, we need a word from God, but we've been so estranged from Him that we don't even know where to begin rebuilding. Are y'all hearing me, saints? It's crazy because, see, when I hear people talk about all the stuff that's wrong with the church and the music and the jewelry and the dress and, the, and this and that, I believe that one of the primary issues with the contemporary church is that we have a generation of believers who have deadened spiritual faculties. And what I mean when I say that, I'm just talking about the fundamental inability to pray for five minutes without losing your concentration. I'm talking about the inability to concentrate when you read the scriptures. I'm talking about the inability to focus on a sermon from start to finish. I'm talking about the inability to be able to discern God's voice. In other words, you believe that it can be done, but you just have to acknowledge that you don't really have the, you don't really have the faculties. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And see, the problem is, the reason some of us don't mind not being able to have access is because we're really dependent on those who have it. In other words, see, some of us don't know how to access God or hear from God apart from a sermon, a church service, or a song. And we're okay with that as long as we have access to somebody who has access. And see, the reason we're so overly dependent on your praying mama and your praying daddy and your pastor or deacon who knows the Lord, the reason we're okay with that arrangement is that it allows me to function in the flesh. It allows me to walk in darkness. It allows me to walk after the things of this world, then come to the spiritual vessel and use them like a religious ATM machine so that I don't have to know God for myself. And what I'm saying to us, beloved, 
is that when you've got dead spiritual faculties, you get to a place where it's something as easy as prayer intimidates you. Where some of us are at a place where reading the Bible is not a joy, it is this gargantuan burden I gotta work myself up to do. Because flesh has such rulership over your life, you have literally become made, you have literally been made incompatible with spiritual things. So much so that spiritual space and spiritual conversation is uncomfortable. So that if they're over there in this corner of the fellowship, here are all gossiping, you here for that. But if they're over there talking about the word, you ain't got no room for that in your life. And what I'm saying is that there are some of us like that are so spiritually unwired that even Sabbath is something we endure. It's not something we enjoy because 24 hours of just praise and, and worship and consecration and no TV and no gossip. I'm going through withdrawals. I, I can't take it. I hate to see it come and I want it to go because my flesh has made me incompatible with God. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the problem is when life crumbles, you know where you should go. But you stick to the familiar because you realize that you don't even have the faculties to be able to make a connection with God. I knew it was going to get a little rough in here. It's crazy. Like, man, I've seen this kind of play out. I went to my house. I was going to share with you a few years back. I remember a little, little while back, I brought these Bluetooth headphones um, that, that pair with my phone so I can go exercise in the morning and listen to music. And, and it's crazy because one of the things that would happen is before I woke up in the morning, Gianna would get up and, and she would pair her phone with my headphones. And, and it's crazy because now the, the phone had gotten so used to pairing with her phone that, that when I woke up and tried to connect with it, it wouldn't pair with me because it was so connected to her that it made the headphones incompatible with me. In other words, even though I'm the owner, it's compatible with a stranger because that's who it's gotten used to being connected with. So that if my Bluetooth network was open at the same time as her Bluetooth network, it would automatically connect with her because that's who it became compatible with. And the only way I could ever get it to connect with my phone was I had to go in, turn off her Bluetooth settings. I had to kill the other option in order for it to come back home. And can somebody praise God that he kills the other option sometimes? So he makes a way for you to come back home. Are y'all hearing me, saints? So the word says here, verse number 16. Y'all sit with me? Verse 16. Watch this. The word says, thus, excuse me, Rome, chapter 2, verse 16. Look the word. So Daniel went in and asked the king, to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions that they may seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night season. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Last thing this story teaches us is that when things were up in the air, God's people ought to be down on their knees. Oh, In other words, when, when things are up in the air, God's people ought to be down on their knees. Uh, okay. In, in, in this season in Babylon, where there is political and moral and social unrest, instability and upheaval when the the infrastructure of government was teetering when it could go in one direction or the other when it's not sure how things are going to land when it's the decree is produce or die when it can be solved by God and God alone, when it can be addressed by God and God alone notice that in prayer they go to God and God alone. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Now, beloved, now I need you to get this. It's, it's not clear how much time the king gave them to pray. But what becomes clear is that the fate of the nation hinged on the prayers of these four men. 
the safety of the government's infrastructure hinged on the prayers of God's children. There has been all this back and forth. There's been all this consternation. There's all been all this upheaval about what we ought to do when the answer to the conundrum was simply a prayer or a season of prayer away. And, and oh, see, see, I need us to understand. See, there's times where we got all this upheaval. We got this conflict. We got this instability. We don't know what to do. We don't know if it's our right hand or left. We don't know if we're going to make it or we're not. Our hearts are failing us for fear, not realizing that the answers that we need are just, oh, no, John, no. What we need is just a prayer or a season of prayer Oh, it got good to me. Do you realize that the peace you need is just a prayer away? The provision you need is just a prayer away. The direction you need is just a prayer away. The power you need is just a prayer away. The one that fights your battles is just a prayer away. It is why the song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And I like this thing. Because like one of the things is not clear. We don't know how much time the king gives them. He's like, all right, all right, king. We good, we good. Listen, he didn't say I need time to strategize. He didn't say I need time to plan. He didn't say I need time to plan an insurrection. Just give me a little time to fight. <laughs> like, see, we would have been mad at Daniel because we were like, no, that's an impotent strategy. And it's crazy because there is this, this chariot train of thought, even in the body of Christ, that either you got to act or you got to pray. No, you got to do both. Before you act, you better show up be praying about what your actions are going to be. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we don't know how much time he gives Daniel to pray. We don't know if it's three days. We don't know if it's two days. We know it was an urgent, or an urgent situation. So I, I, I believe that Daniel might not have gotten more than 24 hours to pray about this thing. But did you notice something? That no matter what the time frame was, that the answer came in that time frame. Oh, y'all didn't get it. So if Daniel was given one day, God doesn't take two days. If Daniel is given three days, God doesn't take four days. If Daniel's only given five days, God doesn't take six days. God operates and shows up right in the nick of the time frame that has been allotted for Daniel to show up. In other words, God is trying to teach Daniel something. In other words, the answer to the prayer does not show up the day before. The answer to the prayer doesn't come until right in the nick of time. And the reason God shows up in the nick of time is to teach Daniel that you can't put your trust in my timing. You've got to put your trust in my promises. In other words, he realized that there was going to come a time in the next chapter that Daniel and his friends were going to be put in the fiery furnace. And Daniel didn't need the trip that he didn't show up before the furnace. He didn't need the trip on the way to the furnace. He didn't need the trip on his way in the furnace because he knew God would show up right in the nick of time. That there would be a season a little while later that Daniel would be in the lion's den. And he didn't need the trip when the decree went out. He didn't need the trip on the way down. He didn't need the trip as he was going down into the den because he knew God would show up in the nick of time. And how many of us have the testimony that he might not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You wanted the money for the bill two weeks ago, but no, the money's going to be there right on time. You wanted the money for the tuition a year ago, but the tuition's going to be there right on time. You wanted to be married a long time ago, but the spouse is going to show up right on time. I know you wanted kids a little while ago, but God will send them right on time. I'm a witness that I wanted some things to happen earlier than they did. But God had measured out my life. He had ordained the seasons. And even though I thought I needed it then, God knew I would need it later. And he shows up right in the nick of time. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? 
He's an on-time God. And see, I need you to know that God answered the prayer before it became critical. God shows up right when the need has to be fulfilled. Which said, watch this, which means if he hadn't met the need yet, it means the time hasn't exhausted. Oh, okay. If God hadn't met the need, either God is going to give you more time or it's not a real need. Oh. In other words, because there are times where we just really want it and we classify it as need because it's a preference. And see, God is one of, see, I see one of the things that happens when you're a young pastor is you can't really tell the difference between real emergency and contrived emergency. So people will call you and say, oh, you got to do it right now. It's an emergency. And you'll be up out of your bed and running here and there. But now I've been doing it for a little while. Uh, I know you say that's an emergency. But technically, that can wait till in the morning. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I shouldn't be saying this out loud, but, but this is my process. Uh, uh, there, there, there are contrived emergencies. And there are real emergencies. I mean, you mad at sister so-and-so. Don't wake me up in the middle of the night for that. Oh, that's, that's, that's just an emergency in your head. Like, the sun is still going to come out tomorrow. Oh, my God. Help me, Holy Ghost. And see, this is why I need to end this before I go off track. So, so this is my fear, right? My fear is that if we don't learn how to wholly lean on God in times of peace, when the winds of strife are released, by default, we will simply go back into what is familiar. See, we've got to get to a place where we are fully convinced in every situation and in every circumstance that our help comes from God. Because see, beloved, like, I believe that, you know, depending on who you voted for, today's a great day, but I believe some more stuff is about to pop off. I believe that Corona, I believe 2020, I, I believe the, the presence and the influence of Donald Trump, I believe it all was a part of a, uh, a prophetic domino scale pushing us toward a certain place where you've got to have right beliefs and you've got to have a solid trust foundation. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so you got to be like, see, see, and I'm saying this especially to my non-clergy uh, people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you look at how God describes them in Daniel chapter 1, these are not priests or prophets. The Bible says that they are skilled in literature, in wisdom, but even though they have other occupations, they realize that when it's time to pray, they know where to go and how to get down on their knees. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? They realized their hope was not in their strategy, not in their planning, not in their cozying up, not in their back scratching, not in their, in their brown nosing. It wasn't scratching their back, so they had to scratch yours. They realized that God and God alone was their help. And so the thing I want to say, even as we get ready to close, I need somebody to be clear on the fact that when things are up in the air, we got to learn how to stay down on our knees. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? Put this quote up on the screen, man. It's, it's from a, a, a devotional in, uh, uh, called The Daily Word in, in 1952, if you can put this up. So I just want to remind the body of Christ, man, that listen to this. Listen, listen. Don't run past this. I need y'all to meditate on this. Listen what the author says. Prayer is the answer to every problem in life. Let, let, let me say this again. I need the repetition, the deepening impression. Prayer is the answer to every problem in life it puts us in tune with divine wisdom which knows how to adjust everything perfectly so often we do not pray in certain situations because from our standpoint the outlook is hopeless see let me just say to this person who feels like man it can't change it can't get no better it's gone too far there, there is no coming back no we don't pray because we feel like it is hopeless but nothing is impossible to God Nothing is so entangled that it cannot be made right by the loving spirit of God. No mistake is so bad that it cannot be remedied with God's help. 
no human relation is too strained for God to bring about reconciliation and understanding to all concerned. No habit is so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so weak that it cannot be made strong. No one is so ill that he cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need or whatever we desire, if we trust God, he will supply it. If there is anything that is causing us to worry or be anxious, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust the healing like love and power of God. Ah, God just wanted us in this election week of instability as we look into several weeks of more instability and life in the courts where it's going to teeter and it can go one way and, and there are going to be advances from this side and that side when it feels like it's up in the air. Yes, sir. You know where you better be? You better be down on your knees. Prayer is the answer to every problem in life. Did y'all catch? There is no mind too dull that it can be made real. Estranged husband and wife. There is no human relationship so strained that it cannot be reconciled. There is no one so ill that they cannot be healed. But we've got to learn where our help comes from. And there are some of us that know where our help comes from, but you need to rebuild and revive your spiritual faculties so you can have access to it. And see, I need us to kind of get back to this place, man, where we're, we're getting, and I'm not mad at education or, 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 or therapy or, or any of those things. Th those things are good and they have their place. But what I'm saying is that we got to get back to that place where we put the weight of our life on God. Where we wholly lean on Jesus' name. Like it's good to have money and, and plans and contingencies and, and doctors. And, not, no, no, no. So, so see, what Trump has did, he's, he's made everything so polar. So either I go to therapy or I pray. Or either I go to doctor or I believe in miracles. Or either I have education or I trust in God. No, don't make enemies out of things that should be friends. But what I'm saying is that if, there is, if, the, if, if the two were scales... I'm going to put the weight of it, not on anything earthly, but I'm going to put the weight of the responsibility on God. Because see, what God is doing in some of our lives is he is literally fanning into being circumstances that only God and God alone is able to address. He's exposing the imposters so that you realize that ultimately your help can be found in him. Right now, I want you to turn, we're going to turn over to Minister Stoddard. He's going to minister to us in song. I want you to meditate on the words of this song, then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to ask you to make a decision for Jesus Christ. But I want you to realize that your help, your healing, your strength is in God and God alone. To God be the glory. It is to God, and God alone is able to bring about some of the change that is needed. Listen, I'm going to just make a brief appeal there's somebody sitting on a couch, watching on a phone. You're walking around the block and you realize that you've been a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar. God has simply been one of many go-tos in your life. God is one of several options. And God has been doing some things. He's been just exposing and, and, and exhausting and and, and revealing the impotence of the imposters of your life. He's, he's bringing you through some, through some things that nothing can help, nothing can remedy, but God and God alone. And maybe you're in that place where, where you need to say, I realize that there is nothing in this world that can help, that can save, that can bring lasting peace and fulfillment. I realize that it's in Christ. And today you are in Huntsville and and you want to make it up in your mind and say, I want to go all the way with Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to begin studying God's word. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need to come back to church. Maybe you need to be baptized uh, and go all the way with Christ. I want you to do one of two things. On the screen, there's a sign that says prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Just email us. 
telling us your decision, saying, Pastor, I want to be baptized. Pastor, I want to transfer my membership. Pastor, I want to be a member of your virtual church community. Pastor, I want to get in some Bible studies. Somebody from our team will get with you by Tuesday of this week. Or maybe you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Right now in the links, there is a, is, is a, a link coming up called Typeform in the comments where you can just fill out your decision. And, and maybe you're watching in another city or state. Uh, there, there have been dozens of individuals that have made decisions in other places and we've been able to get them connected with great Adventist churches in your region or your locale. Make that decision for Jesus Christ today. Don't halt. Don't say tomorrow. I, I don't believe we have too many more tomorrows left. Today, if you hear his voice, pardon not your heart. I need you to know you can have access to him Access that's personal, access that is prioritized, access that is inherited. He is yours and, and you are his. You've just got to receive him today. I want to say to the general body of Christ that I know there are certain things that are hard here, but I'm praying that one of the results of this sermon is that there would be a revival of our spiritual faculties. I, I'm praying that we that we that we revive our, our spiritual appetites and there is a revival in our spiritual interest. See, one of the designs that should have been of COVID is I learn, even though I can't come, but I can get in the word, I can I can deepen my prayer life. And what happened is we just became more and more dependent on YouTube and broadcast and Facebook but God is saying listen I, I gotta I gotta expose all the imposters I want you to get to a place where where you just love being with me like you gotta get to a place where where you can open up God's word and go line upon line and precept upon precept here a little there a little and have some appetite for it you, you got to get to a place where you can get down on your knees early in the morning and late at night and call on the name of the Lord. And, and when you get sleepy and when your thoughts begin to wander and you get exhausted and you, you feel like it doesn't make no difference, but you can grab the reins of your mind and center them back on Jesus Christ. See, we've been made so incompatible spiritually that even Sabbath is it's just what we got to do. We endure it. We don't enjoy it. We just, we're just hurrying because spiritual space is not comfortable for us. But you've got to revive your spiritual faculty. But I need you to understand that as long as you're sampling, this won't change. You've got to make better a part of your everyday diet. See, flesh won't be nullified until you've gotten so used and ingrained with the Spirit of God that your appetite for that grows weary and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace i'm praying for the body of christ whether you're in huntsville your first church wherever you are you you ought to say lord revive me lord revive my appetites revive my spiritual interests revive me so i'm comfortable in spiritual space revive me so that i gravitate towards spiritual conversation and i don't avoid spiritual conversation revive me lord because there's going to come a time where your money, your education, your resources, your house, your boo, your doctor, your medicine, all of that. We're coming upon some stuff where, it can't, where none of that stuff can address it. Your hope is going to have to be in God and God alone. Father, we thank you for your word. For anything good that is the result, all glory belongs to you. And for anything that has been misspoken or missaid, only the mistakes belong to me. And Lord, my prayer for us today is that we will be, have a revival of spiritual faculties. May we get deeper in prayer. Lord, may, 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 may we realize that we ought not put our trust in princes in whom there is no help. But happy is he that puts his help in the, the, in the Lord, the God of Jacob. Father, help us to realize that you and you alone are our help. You and you alone are our sense, strength. And that what we need is just a prayer away the peace we need the direction we need the guidance we need the, the the solving of the mysteries is just a prayer or a season of prayer away so lord help us to wholly lean on jesus name help us to make it upon our mind on christ the solid rock will stand and all of the ground is seeking sand so lord would you bless us would you keep us would you please strengthen our spiritual perceptions. May you sharpen our spiritual discernment.
may we be more able to hear and recognize and tap into your movements in our lives. We pray this, O oh God, in the matchless name of Jesus. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Again, I want to encourage you all to come back, join us on next Sabbath. I believe that even though we are excited about how God has moved in the earth, I believe that this is not a time for God's people to say peace and safety. And I believe that the vision that God shows Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar helps us understand where our true help comes from. So God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.